Hey, Biz. Um, I just wanted to uh, say, uh, go fuck yourself. The fuck did I do? <laughs> like, you know, the last show, I get, I, I get, I get dragged into the back where I'm beat by uh, ACH, who tells me it's a shame that I have any sort of power in the wrestling business. And I conclude the story. You're sitting there dicking with your phone, and you go, "That's undeniable, brother." And come on. This is the name man. of the show, man. This is the name of the hey, show, but shit, the, man. The, lis- the listeners know I've been in the same shoes before, brother. I don't think so. I don't think so. Because at least you've laced up a pair of boots, even if, you, uh, even if you fell off out of a ring and ruptured your spleen five minutes later. Yeah. I'm just trying to make a point. Yeah. No, like I, I think it was drunk Albert and not knowing how to be emotionally mature at the time. <laughs> yeah. That might, that might get me heat, but you know, like I, well, I love well, the kid. He's well, like Albert, family. Albert's going to fucking like, act oh, like he's, he's fucking Carl Young or something. Give yeah. me a break. Uh, you he's, know, he's probably not listening to this. Dude, the dude, the dude has tried to hit me before. So, <laughs> you know, there you go. Um, so here yeah, we are. I, I don't think he listens to this. Here, here we are. Mopping the hall. <laughs> Str- yeah. Stroud's off at fucking <laughs> Kirby Lane. Yeah, Stroud's off at Kirby Lane doing <laughs> card tricks and uh, fucking, you know, undressing what? waitresses with his eyes or some no. shit like that. And I'm probably grumbling about the fact that I'm probably sitting there going, man, fuck that motherfucker as I'm mopping the hall. Uh, I, I probably have no idea what's going on. Yeah. You, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like, why is he mad at it? like? Yeah. yeah, you're you're like sweeping up, and yeah. you've got like thought bubbles of monkeys dancing to organ grinders <laughs> in your head and giggling like a fucking yeah. simpleton or something. Oh, yeah, like that. let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Well, hey, guess what? Welcome to Inspire AD. Uh, my name is Maximilian Meehan. I'm sitting across from. Uh, a guy that I used to consider a friend, uh, Justin Bissonette. We are the very, very well gelled and. Homogenized and family. Homogenized. <laughs> That's what happens to milk. Um, <laughs> we're the creative team for Inspired Pro. I don't know what milk you're drinking. <laughs> um, all right. Yeah, no, we're back. And we are this time uh, veering mm-hmm. into uh, a show that, man, means a hell of a lot to me. Um, phenomenon. Uh, huge show in our history. Also, when I look at this show and I look at the poster for it, I'm automatically kind of yeah. like, I, I affection swells in me. You're pulled back to it, right? You yeah, just... absolutely. And and because uh, off, uh, the phenomenon is based, the, the title I took from a Dario Argento film, one of the things that a lot of people notice who actually are, you know, more well-rounded in their interests you saying brother man you're just shooting on bis today <laughs> um a lot of the stuff that I, I i do put together i come up with most of the names and uh the uh poster presentations and and marketing materials i i, I take a lot from uh, genre film uh repertory screening type stuff and uh this this is like uh this is something i've i've always been very fond of uh in terms of the poster art that we did. I, I love the Phenomena logo. It's, of course, like I said, from Dario Argento film. You know, when you come into the hall, the first things you hear are the Spaghetti the spaghetti Western play playlist that we have going. Um, but, yeah, this, uh, this, I, this whole package is just such a great uh, favorite show of mine that yeah. we've done. Yeah, and 
hindsight, it becomes like just this, this very important event in our history. Yeah. Um, if, and maybe I'm setting a teaser here and we'll, we'll gauge interest in this, but if we were going to do like event tease for classic events, this would be one, I think easily, you know, yeah. that we would, we would put out and maybe that is something we'll do eventually, yeah. but, um, just one of those nights that was so important in the history of our company. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, I really don't have much memory about things that were occurring around this show. No, I know that it was post South by Southwest. Yeah. This, um, was this, this was during South by Southwest. The, was the, the last weekend I want to say. Yeah. Which the Sunday really isn't, you know, yeah. it's not really, it's not really bustling in town, but the fact that we pulled in the numbers that we did for yeah. this, this event following South by Southwest, which is something that typically really takes the, takes the vinegar out of, uh, locals because they're spending at bars they're going to shows yeah. they're, they're partying a lot um <clears throat> this is the gospel brunch in certain instances yeah. for people man yeah. that's why we do shows on sundays people often also ask why sunday uh austin is a really competitive city yeah. there's oh there are always like a million things going on and saturdays which is routinely when people run, run wrestling shows just don't don't bring in the numbers like Sundays do. Yeah. It's something that you can take your your kid your kid to. It's it's early. It's 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 earlier in the evening. It's not right you know right off at the start of noon. You know there's very little conflict unless you're talking about the occasional football game. But we love Sundays. We've always yeah. run on Sundays except for one time and it was a <laughs> remarkably bad idea. Speaking of shows that almost killed the company, yeah. Um, yeah, and I mean, live music still owns Austin, Texas, no matter how many condos they put up. So I don't know about that. Yeah, well, know. it's getting rough out there. It is getting rough. But um, you know, live music Friday and Saturday, you're up against a lot of really good entertainment um, from different genres, right? Mm-hmm. So Sunday's always kind of been in Austin, the time to run. All right. Well. I guess we'll just go right into it. Yeah, let's jump into it. So at Fun 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 Fest, we we kind of I won't say stumbled upon, but we kind of stumbled upon some great chemistry between Jessica James and Cherry Ramon. So we we brought them back to our crowd. We um, really wanted to see. You know, it, it, it's funny. One of the things that uh, you told me is that when you find that lightning in a bottle kind of moment. You don't always necessarily want to be the company that does it first. You want to be the company that does it best. Yeah. And we, what we saw between Jessica James and Cherry Ramones at, at Fun 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 Fest was really fun. There was great chemistry. And so we wanted to take that match that not a lot of our fans had seen because, you know, when you're at Fun Fun Fun, you're there for the badge holders. Yeah. People aren't, we didn't get, we didn't get, you know, our typical return crowd. There were, of course, some familiar faces that crossed over, but... That, you know, when you go do something like that at the festival, it's mainly to put new eyes on the product, connect with new people, and hopefully drag them off to wherever you wind up doing your actual show proper. And uh, we thought that this match was so fun that we just had to do it again. And, and there, of course, were also some things that uh, they didn't get to do that they wanted to do. And they had a lot of ideas between uh, uh, Jessica and, you know, and Danny. They really yeah. wanted to do something something that really expanded on their first match and uh we were able to actually use the match at fun 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 to kind of promote this show 
um, we put it online and shared it shared it with our with our fans and of course it kind of hyped them up for this and and uh, I remember this being a lot of fun. You you want just a weird piece of trivia about that fun 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 fest? Sure. The commentary was filmed at one uh, Phil Librand's Christmas party that year. Oh, is that what or, you or guys that was said? it was recorded? Yeah. So you so, guys sound so, so jovial. Yeah, it's one of the weird like post recorded things. So yeah, I'm eating fucking um, you know Tiff's treats cookies and drinking fucking. Um, alcohol of various yeah you guys Christmassy you guys as fuck on <laughs> yeah, I think that, on that I think Eamon was drinking too so yeah it's it's um yeah <laughs> so um little piece of of trivia there absolutely but yeah so this is also the first time that Cherry has returned um after New Movement has decided to go face yeah and Cherry is not on board so um we there's a really good promo before this starts uh and i guess this is a great time uh lisa friedrich her backstage work at this time was not highly praised but her comedic timing adds a ton to these backstage segments um if you I, don't i love that stuff because yeah. it's, it's very different than anything else you see anywhere else i think honestly the problem with a, like a lot of wrestling that you see is they're always trying to emulate something else it's why i hate all those garbage shows that I'd go see in San Antonio. It's like, oh, I'm going to walk in, I'm going to see the same, like, just heel-face dynamic, and of course, before the show, I'm going to have to sit through, like, all the WWE entrance music, yeah. you know? It's just, there's nothing there's nothing fresh about it. One thing I will say about Lisa is that, I first of all, she's great for morale. Loved having her around. Lovely girl. Very funny. And there was nobody doing what she did. Yeah. It, it was basically taking the backstage interview bit and adding like what a human being would do in this situation. It's almost like having an empty <laughs> yes. from, from the class. Yes. 80s, that's how uh, it felt. Yeah. Doing, doing your backstage there, interviews. I mean, I don't know if this is core or not, but I, there's the weird, like the office feel to like some of the, the comedy too, that like the awkwardness of the situation, which is what that is at that time. You know? she, yeah. She, she very much is like, <laughs> Well, guys, calm down, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, but, um, yeah. but there's a great segment with uh, with her and Jigs, and Cherry walks up, and Jigs like, hey, I'm trying to, I've been trying to get a hold of you, man. We're, we're going to do this thing. And he kind of blows him off in Spanish and then <laughs> walks away. And he's like, hey, I just, I'm just, it's really important to me to get a handshake, and they shake hands, but you can tell Cherry's really not behind it. Um, so we go in, into Jessica James and Cherry Ramones, um, and Cherry tries to cheat. And, you know, Gigolo kind of puts his foot down and it's like, we're not doing this anymore. And that kind of leads to Jessica picking up the win. Yeah. But fun match, fun opener. And this, we're, we're getting Jessica win back. Yeah. So absolutely. Build, building, building back toward, uh, toward, uh, her ultimate goal. Yeah. So up next is, uh, Sky De Lacrimosa taking on Thomas Munoz in his first official singles match. So, um, we get um, Thomas Munoz defeats Skyler de Lacrimosa. Uh, oh, we... I, I have some things to say. Yeah, that. go go ahead and jump in. So, um, I use the term "don't show your ass" a lot. <laughs> uh, I wasn't sure if we were going to go there, but no, let's go no, there. No, we're going. We're going there. Yeah. I, I, this has nothing yes. to do with anything ass related, and you know, literally. But yeah. you know. Um, Sometimes there are guys who get in the ring and they overextend themselves. They try to do too much. They, they, they envision themselves as being 
something that they're not necessarily, or they don't know their limitations, or they don't want to respect their own limitations. And uh, this match, for me, really... It showed to me that Thomas Munoz couldn't listen. And it showed to me that he in his own head was somewhere very different than where he was physically. Um, my initial... Uh, my initial vision for the Ultimo Sex Symbol character was to just let him get picked on and beat on a lot. But then he would come back and just do Mongolian chops and a Yakuza kick. And that's all I wanted him to really do. Yeah. And the he spear. Just, and the spear, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, he had a very limited move list. It's like, you know, people can get over with that stuff because it becomes familiar and it's what people know. And, of course, everybody loves an underdog, but Thomas tries to do way too much. And he did this several times, and it was like, I would just go, no, man, Mongolian chop, Mongolian chop, uh, you know, spear, you know, Yakuza kick. This is all I want you to do. And he didn't listen. He wanted to do way more and never do any of the shit that I actually wanted out of him. And so I immediately began to sour. But also the matches that he produced weren't good, and the crowd picks up on that ultimately. You know, it was just bad. But if he had just kept to a very limited set, I think... It would have been it would have been perceived as much different. Yeah. On on top of that, Sky Delacromoso literally has his ass hanging out in this match. Oh not, yeah. Not great. He, he, not great. Yeah, you're right. You're yeah. right. Yeah. Not um, not good on top of all the other stuff we're up against here. This is a match where had it really just kind of played upon the characters and really limited work and kept been kept short, it would yeah. have been fine. But unfortunately we have two guys trying to do too much. Yeah. The definition of trying to get your shit in, you yeah. know. Uh, up next, we have Carson and Barrett Brown taking on uh, Alex Reigns and a mystery partner. Yeah, and they are accompanied by Moonshine Mantel. Um, so Reigns' mystery partner is the returning one man Mike Dell. Yeah, this is this is interesting. I really had high hopes for this, but unfortunately. Um it's just one of those instances where people really didn't want to like play along with the storyline that yeah. I had it, my, I had in mind. The idea was that um, Reigns was wrestling the concept of the World Class Syndicate away from Houston Carson, and he didn't like the addition of Barrett, and so Reigns spirits away Moonshine, and yeah. and uh, he brings back Mike Dell, and of course, I really love the idea of bringing Dell in uh, as the leader of this faction to kind of give him kind of a heel slant going yeah. into this and uh there were a lot of people that actually really wanted to work with mike dell that really liked him and really respected him but mike was very cautious he really just wanted to kind of stay within a certain comfort zone that was my perception you probably yeah. wouldn't appreciate me saying that but i remember arguing with him about getting him to work barrett brown and i remember him kind of lighting up when i said barrett really respects you and wants to work with you i want to see you with people that i don't see you with everywhere yeah. else and that's what it was i mean there was a list of guys he worked with it was it was dell versus carson or dell teaming with carson or you know dell working with claxton it was a very limited group of people you know so and granted it, it was fine for what it was but i wanted to yeah. put, push mike out we, of his comfort zone and do some interesting we, more interesting stuff we were doing something different if they wanted to see that they could see it where he was doing it absolutely and and to me also i think in my head at the time, what I was really grooming toward was we eventually get that belt on like uh, Matthew Palmer. You know, the Inspire Pro title would have been switched back at some point and we would have built to Mike Dell and Matthew Palmer. You know, because to me, wrestling history and stuff like that is circular. Yeah. You know, <laughs> we had, a cycle to it. We had just built 
five years to get to the first one, right? So, yeah. like, why not go back? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it, there would have been history there. It could have been huge. It could have been yeah. great, you know, and, and uh, but there were just people kind of pushing back uh, against what I wanted to do creatively here. And, of course, um, I think Barrett's schedule be, it began to kind of yeah, like, I think like get very tight. This is where he started working. I think he became the NWA junior heavyweight champion here at some point yeah. or started working matches against. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, so what do you have next on, on the card? Mine is a little mixed up. I've, I've got Steve versus Jigolo James. Yes, Johnson. which is a great idea yeah. at this point in time. Uh, the battle of the O's. Yeah. And Jigolo was, was over huge here. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a character that, from the questions that we get asked, kind of seems like a forgotten character, but he was a very important person in the whole grand scheme of the main stories going on right now. Yeah. People loved him. He was entertaining, always whipping out stuff that you would you had never seen before. He was yeah. he, he had a wow factor to him. And I think also what makes him so precious, uh, Gigolo, is that he he has a look that many people can relate to and i think that a lot of times you have wrestlers who come in and go oh well they don't have the body brother you know and the thing is is that sure it's great when you can you can you can see somebody and go oh that guy is really awesome looking you know or whatever but there's always going to be a segment of crowd that wants to latch onto somebody that looks more like themselves because then they can live vicariously through that person and james not having that crazy cut physique of course it made him more relatable to common people. It's why uh, Daniel Bryan really exploded, I think, because he was more common looking. And so people really could identify with him. And James really, I think, had that. He was kind of silly, kind of goofy. He wasn't your average wrestler body. In fact, I know that there were people who were really crappy to him when he went into re- locker rooms because he didn't, he wasn't identified as what was typified of most wrestlers. But to me, that's what made him special. He stood out. Yeah. Yeah, I have no nothing else really to add. I mean, James was a guy that had been around for for a long time. So he'd seen a lot by this point, but he hadn't been in Austin a lot. I no. think he'd only had one out. so for that crowd he was brand new, you know. So yeah. Added a ton. In this match he gave us exactly what we needed. We got a great match out of Steve O as the J Crown champion and in the end here, we still have miscommunication with him and Cherry. So Cherry's not completely on board. It's still cost them two matches. They're going to have to address that. Whereas Jigs is kind of taking the forefront and yeah. Cherry was kind of the, the star pupil and the first guy in the new movement. Now that's kind of changed here. They're butting heads. Yep. So we move from that into the announcement that we're going to have a tag team tournament. And so this match is for a buy in the first round of that tag team tournament. Uh, that never happens for various reasons we'll get into. So this is, uh, there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff here that I think is worth unpacking. Okay. The, the match itself was what it was. I think it was great. Yeah. I mean, you what it was, what it was. It's, it's, it's yeah. like acting like, you know, <laughs> you just like found your well, cat I, run over. <laughs> in the middle of a fucking intersection. I would no, be upset. Man. I would be upset. You'd be upset. Well, why are you upset here? <laughs> God damn it. This was a good match and it was a good match for the concept. And that's, that's not what I'm saying. What okay. I'm saying is the, the behind the scenes stuff kind of 
overshadows what the match itself ended up being. Boy, I think I got a lot of shit uh, leading into this, too. Yeah. I think this was one, another one of those moments where uh, I believe it was Claxton dressed me down for not honoring the, the Sons of Texas stuff. Is this the response to that, or is this no, that this, day? This is the this is that day. Okay. Um, so let let's go over the combatants. We can break down what each one's bringing to the table here. So VG Allen and Wade Olson, those are two um, Paul London students. Again, we got VG coming back and Wade Olson. This is, to my knowledge, his only show with us. Yep. He may pop back up. We have Sorrow and Extinction coming back. Yep. So this is the second show. Um, at the start of this show, Greg James informs me that Kyle Hawk has potentially stolen money because he's <laughs> living with him and his girlfriend. And yeah, they, no, he pulls me aside yeah. too, and he goes, "I don't want to talk. I don't want to tag with Kyle no more, man. He stole yeah. some money from my mom or some shit like yeah. that." Like, and so we're one fucking show into this goddamn tag team, and there's already it's drama. already drama. Yeah, and but, I'm just like, "Well, fuck, man. Yeah. Like, you know, like I didn't want to do this anyway, and now you had me set this shit up." <laughs> And now we're blowing it up. Yeah. Uh, you have Shadows and Riot. Hey, they're still they're still those guys. And the Orphans are the Taylor brothers. And then we have Claxton and Brent McKenzie um, tagging up for the first time. Right? Yeah. Which we fought for a while. Yeah, we and, did. This, but this, I mean, this is almost an appeasement to some of that it, stuff, it which was, makes it I, weird. I felt like they kind of took it as leverage. We got to talk about the Pump Patrol for yeah. a second. Okay. Yeah. So this is something we, you may have noticed, like, you know, they were super over. We, we were doing a lot of stuff. Were they ever? Yeah, they were. They do. They were. They were. They yeah. were over. And we hit a roadblock. Um, we were. We were. We were eventually. A roadblock, 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 brother. God damn it. So what happened the previous year is that the pumps no longer became available to uh to book um i believe one half <laughs> of the team retired and was going to go become a, a police officer or something yeah, or like a that. firefighter or something like that yeah yeah but also i and i guess jared had picked up uh, a guy kurt matthews from louisiana who had become uh who became the other half of the pump patrol but booker t had signed the pump patrol <laughs> To reality of wrestling, and so their gimmick and all that shit became exclusive to World of Wrestling. Even though we, Inspire Pro, had created this gimmick, Josh Montgomery and I had created this gimmick, it had been basically (laughs) absconded with, and I was really fucking pissed. Like, I was pissed at at Booker T, I was pissed at the Pump Patrol, and in fact, like, I think Biss was really heavily fighting me on this because I was trying to introduce a tag team. Oh, yeah. Okay, so we have to talk about this because yeah. I, was, I was fighting. You really want to do this. I, was, I still want to do it. Um, so I wanted to create a tag team to basically be a middle finger at Booker T, but it was going to be these two white guys, and they would dress up as police we, officers. There's no way in hell we can do this today. Let me finish. <laughs> I'm going to let you. Yes. So let. it was going to be, you could still do this and be great. It'd be oh timely. God. Yes. And you could call them ACAB. Oh, anyway, no. I, I, I wanted to do a tag team of two cops, and basically they would find people in the crowd and profile them and then plant drugs on them. And then arrest them and have them taken out of the hall like plants in the crowd, you know. And then they would wrestle. So they were going to be like these heel cops. And I was going to call them the Heat from Harlem. 
And I really wanted to do this as just me getting back at Booker T, but no, we never did it because Biss is not fun. Yeah. Anyway. And now, how many Booker T students work on our show? No, but, it's true. It's you know, true. but um, yeah. The, so the story behind it is some random guy at Booker School had gone to another show and gotten hurt, and he just came up and went, "Well, nope, that's enough of that shit. You guys are only working for me." And uh, so. <laughs> yeah, you could. Yeah, never, all of all of Booker yeah. T's people suddenly got pulled. It was like, oh, you can't. It's and it was it was insulting because yeah. the person who had been hurt was a someone who wasn't really thoroughly trained. B shouldn't have been on the the show, therefore, and C it was like a flea market show, yeah. which to me showed that Booker kind of perceived us to be this lower tier dirt fed that wasn't safe. And boy, did that just cheese me <laughs> off. You know, yeah. that's that's worth being mad about. I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, so but yeah, we, yeah. sorry, but we lost the, the pumps for, for about a year there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, as you can see, ton, tons of stuff going on yeah. behind the scenes um, here. And so literally, literally five minutes before bell time, Claxton and McKenzie, uh, call me over back, back behind the curtain and they begin to dress me down. Uh, I believe moonshine is there as well. And uh, along with Reigns, and they're yelling at me about how I'm not honoring the continuity of the True Sons of Texas. And I, I actually saw Ryan pretty mad uh, over this. And I said, well, that's not what we're doing. And you can't pull this shit on me like five minutes before bell time, dude. The show's going on. I'm not going to rewrite a bunch of shit right now. I'm not let you hijack this thing that we've been doing for a while that seems to be working out pretty okay in terms of our audience and, and all that shit. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not pulling the plug on because it because Dalton was also part of the True Sons of Texas. Yeah. So they wanted they wanted to basically just shake out the blanket and all of a sudden have everybody that was in the stable that was otherwise being used statewide uh, suddenly just align on the show. And I was like, no, I'm not. We're not yeah. doing this. Sorry, guys. And yeah, so there they, was no way Dalton could have done that at this point. No, not, not at all. I mean, what they were doing was over. It was, but it was yeah. it was it was fantastic. Yeah. It was fantastic what they were doing, but. Yeah, so I had pushed back a lot on this show. Dill was not happy with what I was trying to push him into. Um, and, of course, Claxton. And even, I think, Dalton, to some extent, was upset about the whole True Sons thing. Um, but uh, Claxton and McKenzie go over to win the Tag Team Battle Royal and to get a, ba- a, a bye into yeah. what would eventually be our Tag Team Championship show. Yes. So... It, but they don't make it. Is this the last show that we have them on, potentially? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I don't know what happened to Clax, but I know McKenzie got hurt. Yeah, yeah. Brent Brent broke his ankle, correct? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, Clax had some challenges. Um, Clax had a lot of challenges around this time. I, I still love James dearly. Um, He's a great guy. But, yeah, it basically just eventually it was like he wasn't even in the state anymore. So, um I always enjoyed working with him. Uh, I wish it had ended a little bit differently, but yeah, that's that's the story there. But yeah, the ma- I mean, the, this match was basically put out there to go, hey, look, we have tag teams. Yeah. Time to get those those belts shined up, you know? Yeah, so if anybody, I don't think anybody, by the time we got the tag cade, even remembered that this was a stip, but if you do, that's what happened. That's why we had to, to change things. And I mean, speaking of fucking events that were historical events for us, I think that's another one that, worked out a okay yeah so um from that we go into 
Thomas Shire versus Keith Lee. Shire has stolen his belt back from Mr. B. So we have Thomas Shire taking on Keith Lee for the big big boy belt. <laughs> the, the the big belt. Yeah. The pure prestige belt. I think um, I think we were kind of like all all pistons firing on Keith Lee at this point. Yeah. We knew we had to do something because the whole Scott Summers thing had kind of just run aground. Uh there were some problems uh there were some problems with some certain people that we wanted to work with uh regarding the title. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh so we decided to pull what ultimately wound up being very well received by the crowd. Yeah. By the way, so I have this as Keith and Thomas. Was Mr. B involved in this at all? I thought he was in this match. Uh, no, not in this match. Okay. Yeah. Well, regardless, Keith yeah. Lee going over was a massive yeah, moment. Yeah, big deal. And it was the start of something really big. I think, I think like I saw Keith as a definite power player and someone who could really carry the belt for a while. I had some ideas about what I ultimately wanted to do. I think, um, and I and I actually got to execute them. Yeah. So. So, and, and I mean, if we're going to be honest, like Shire was kind of hamstrung by the the reception. The reception. So, I hope you're happy, Carson. It's all your fault. Uh, not Carson the wrestler. Carson the fan. Yeah. So I'm blaming him Daddy. in his fucking Chicago ties. <laughs> yeah. But you know, so um, Keith Lee wins. Um, Nigel Rabbit. We need to talk about that too. Okay. And we'll interject that here. But Nigel Rabbit steals the belt. Uh, Nigel is going to move into a managerial phase. So Nigel had been our commentary, uh, color commentary person. And I was starting to get complaints that he was burying talent. He was. On, the, on commentary. And in particular, Jessica James in the Craven match. So this match, uh, you can actually see me basically babysitting. Um, the commentary table the entire night. Yeah. Um, I, I'm basically up there the entire people, night. People hearing were what's mad. Going on. And like, I mean, wrestlers were mad. Yes. Um, so, you know, that's kind of why, Something, yeah, I mean, that's it, why it, that decision was made. And I, I mean, no disrespect to Nigel. I think he's a very nice yeah. person, but oftentimes I felt like he was more trouble than he was actually worth. Yeah. Um, there, there was a lot of, you know, he, he thought that he was running him, his, character like a business you had to interact with only his business page and stuff like that and it it just got this was the point where it was starting to overload yeah you're right so um i feel i i wasn't direct with him when i told told him why he was being removed from commentary and i feel like today that would have been more of a direct conversation from me yeah um but yeah because I think it was a good learning point that, hey, you can't do that, right? But um, nevertheless, that's what happened there. Um, so he, he stole the belt. So we had a chance to have – we had a babyface manager in Chris True, which we got the scout in that Houston show, weirdly enough. And now we had kind of a heel foil for him to work with, which Nigel Nigel was never really comfortable with the dynamics of that either, which, which affected things. But that was the only way that really – made it make sense or work yeah so um nonetheless keith lee wins the pure prestige title they have to get it back from nigel who has stolen it and we go into the belt, the belt is basically at this point a hot potato because yeah. it's getting stolen and, and run around with and it's kind of become a gag yeah so we go into ricky starks versus lance hoyt which was um 
built upon on the last show. We came out of the three-way. So Hoyt and Starks have an absolute war. And this is really the moment where Ricky goes from a tweener or an aggressive baby face to a pure baby face. Mm-hmm. And he wins by count out. Um, due to Stroud. Yeah, due to, due to Stroud. But also just keeps taking a beating and keeps getting up. And there's this huge re- reaction for the win. There's a huge chant for Stroud after the match. He goes to the back and they start chanting Ricky again. He comes back out and they throw streamers at him. I've never seen that done before. Um, so at this point, it's very clear Ricky Starks is over as a baby face. Right. Um, so from that, we go into go into Franco versus Ray Rowe. Um, similar stories at this point. Rowe's coming back from his major injury. Franco, you know, has come back from being in, you know, a similar situation that he never should have been able to repair for. From, yeah. So this is Bionic Beast versus new Bionic Beast, right? And um, this was important to them. There was some personal stuff between them that they this, still navigated. Yeah, this they was, were this cool. Was, uh, this, but this match was actually requested. Yeah, they, they, they wanted to work they each other. Really yeah. So there was a bunch of personal stuff. Not like bad personal stuff, but yeah. there was a weird personal tie between them. If, if you know, you know, it's whatever. But, you know, they wanted to kind of work with each other. And this, uh, is, this is also the event where Franco begins to rumble and grumble about who is being pushed. Yes. And that, for me, I don't know. I think there are yeah. some guys that just they always want to be in the title picture or they always want to hold the title or they always feel like they need to be in a certain circle of relevancy in terms of the company. Yeah. That's not the way that I view a lot of people. I view certain people who are of a certain echelon, once they get to that point, they don't necessarily need a title. They don't need to be involved in a title picture. All they really need to do is be the hill that people have to climb. You know? And you, you, and, and you can really see it with the way that, at times, they booked uh, a guy like Cena or a guy like Undertaker. You know? They didn't necessarily have to hold a belt to be important because they were legendary at that point. And I would oftentimes try to treat... Guys like Dell or Franco like that. That's how I envisioned them, you know? They're they're already fucking golden boys, and they look incredible. Carson is another example yeah. of that. A guy that I looked at and go, you are an amazing like thing to behold. You don't need something to augment who you are. You're a larger-than-life being. Yeah. And if you recall from one of the first shows, we kind of, in the beginning, didn't want to put these quote-unquote heavyweight guys... On the show, we wanted to focus on light heavyweight guys. Yeah, but because then, of then, this. But then they, yeah, but then they wanted like a lot of the guys. Were like, oh, well, brother, why aren't you? Why aren't yeah. you calling me? And I'm like, oh yeah. well, you know. So you know, we we start to work it in, and but this is what this was the reasoning, right? Now we have these guys that are you know for you know lack of a better term, they're great white sharks, and they're ready to eat, and they want that title and and all that alpha shit, right? Which to me is yeah. like, you know. Um, I'm not playing that game, man. Yeah. You know? We, and, and <laughs> it's a fucking prop. Get over it. Well, and the thing is, if somewhere along the line, the the Mike Dell and the, the Franco and that that group that helped us along that first year, and I will never take that away, that they got us through that first Hell year. No, and they were establishing out. forces. Yeah. I agree. But at some point, 
the Palmers and the Starks and the Stevos and the Daltons took over. Yeah. And, and that was that was the identity of the company. And those I mean, those four guys particularly in this chapter really step up and take the forefront. Palmer had been there before, but he was you know, he was doing it again. Dalton had flirted with it and now he's doing it. Starks was doing it for the first time. Steve O was doing it for the first time. So but there's, the, there's those were a, those were the guys, and, but there's also such a such an interesting dichotomy to be proposed here. Where what I really wanted to see was I wanted to see the Dells and the Stevos yeah. against one another. I wanted to see, you know, the old guard meets this up and coming guard. I wanted to see stuff like that. And the yeah. thing was is that the guys who were into the classic Texas stuff that you were seeing in San Antonio and the DFW area, they just kind of wanted to stay in their same familiar yep. shallow end. They didn't want to venture out of it. It's like. We're good at doing this. This is what we yeah. know. We don't have to work too hard outside of that. And that's what it really came down to, to yeah. me. It was like people didn't really want to do anything new or really work harder. Yeah. Or, you know? Well, or they weren't interested in, in giving the rub to those guys. You know, it, I mean, it, that's kind of where wrestling actually is a competition. Um, but it works a lot better when everybody cooperates. Right. Yeah. But when you look at the idea of, say, a Barrett Brown versus a Mike Dell. Yeah. It's fresh. It's new. It's fresh. It's new. But it wasn't even necessarily about Mike Dell giving anybody uh, like a rubber putting over anybody or or, or whatever. It was yeah. just to me. It was about Mike doing something that no one had ever seen before. Yeah. You know. It, and I'll, I'll tie it in. I know that you don't watch much current uh, pro wrestling that's on TV, but I mean, it's kind of like Jericho on AEW, where. What if Jericho came in and was like, I only want to work with the ex-WWE guys that I've worked with. What if Jericho... That'd be a great gimmick. (laughs) It would be. be. Yeah, because that's what all Twitter thinks happens, right? Yeah. But like, if he didn't come in and work with the Orange Cassidy's or, you know, or work with a Scorpio Sky or a guy like that, you know? Yeah. He doesn't add anything to the company. No, brother, you, need, you need to bring this guy in. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know. I need I need Christian Cage back in here, guys. Like you know, like um, that's sort of what was happening here yeah. in a weird way. So yeah. Anyway. Oh yes. So. <laughs> so I'm on commentary for the match that's going to come right after this, and there's a very specific reason for that. But before that happens is the JoJo promo. So I the the commentary booth is is elevated and I'm sitting down. The man family whose child was kicked at the last show <laughs> is sitting right in front of me. A JoJo Bravo comes out to make his apology. Uh, I'm not quite air quoting half an air quote mm-hmm. on apology. The man family turns around to turn their back to JoJo Bravo. Which leaves me eye to eye with Mama Man. (laughs) So JoJo proceeds to cut this promo. And usually I am not a fan of wrestlers apologizing to to fans. Because usually wrestlers are dumb and they fuck it up. (laughs) No, No offense. So I think it's usually handled a lot better from somebody within the company. And then also like... You don't blur the lines of the character or any of that stuff. But it was necessary for JoJo to apologize for kicking a fucking child. So, but we found a way, we found a way to do that for him to tie in and make the kids feel special. 
And then also to still tell the crowd, go fuck yourself for making me feel horrible about myself. So um, really cemented that Jojo is a heel here. Was an extremely awkward, like five to six minutes of staring directly at a woman who was very upset that her child had been besmirched. You were a little bit more sensitive than I thought you should have been about it, because after all, they were still there. Yeah, they were in the seats. True. So, yeah. you know, um, no one called the cops. Yeah. No, it was just extremely uncomfortable to, to have this woman staring at me yeah, while this was yeah, happening. I know. So, so I'm on. So Jojo cuts the promo, still st- apologizes for kicking the kid, but then doesn't basically apologize for anything else. Tells everybody to go fuck themselves. And we've got heel Jojo now. Yeah. Um, it's a great promo. Yeah. It, both of them are, are awesome in their own ways. So let's get into the juice of this afterwards okay okay but we have barbie hayden versus delilah doom now barbie hayden has for whatever reason always had alfie as her ref and there's been some weird stuff that didn't 100 land so we come up with this really fun deal so it's her and doom and um we do a reverse dusty finish in a way yeah which is a lot of fun which is th- really why the fuck would you do it the other way? No, no offense to, to Dusty Rhodes. He's a fucking legend, right? <clears throat> but like classically, a Dusty Rhodes finish is the baby face wins, but somebody comes out and overturns it, and then the heel ends up still winning Yeah, to create some heat. So we come out. Barbie Hayden wins. She has her feet on the ropes, but it's within clear view of Alfie. He still counts. So I come down to the ring with Austin Hybrid, and uh, I fleece Alfie and I find in his pocket a check written to him made out by Barbie Hayden. So <laughs> she has quite literally paid off the referee. This is goofy but great. Yeah, it's so goofy but goofy as hell. So, like, oh, a check! Like, yeah. <laughs> who the fuck uses uh, a check? Barbie could have bought a tractor from the guy. Who fucking knows? You know. <laughs> so um, I kick Alfie to the back. I restart the match, and Doom gets her big win over uh, Barbie Hayden. Uh, Austin hybrid, the referee should be the biggest baby face referee forever, but we'll get into why that fucks up later on. Yeah. Um, so doom wins. Barbie runs to the back. She's pissed at me. Get her out of the way. And out comes Angelus lane, who is in a, in a boot. Cause she is injured. Um, originally scheduled to be on the show. Um, but was injured attacks doom sets up uh this is a key key point to setting up the doom versus angelus match that will happen later on as part of the new movement keith lee comes out um pulls angelus off and she jumps right up in his face and at this point i will say that book that match was booked yeah they like they told the crowd at that moment that they wanted to see that match and they did they did want to see it they asked for it yeah um yeah dude i i don't know what juice you're gonna squeeze out of this gym but yeah there is one that i'm going to there's there's, there's a one like particular yeah. uh, vein that i need to tap yeah no it's the same one i okay. get, guarantee you so um i probably i i i i, I love heather aka Ang- angelus I, I love i love her and I don't want to say anything that would offend her, obviously, because I don't know all the facts. I can only assume, but I I very clearly think there was something going on between Brandon and and Angelus, even if it was just a mere flirtation. Um, 
But Brandon actually flew Angelus out simply to do this promo. Yes. And unfortunately, this led many people in the back to think that we had flown out Angelus. Like we had paid for it. When yeah. in actuality, it was Brandon Brandon on his own dime flying out this girl that I, I firmly believe he had ulterior motives uh, toward uh, in terms of just simply booking for wrestling purposes or telling stories. I think there was something else there. There were also things that I heard that were seen backstage that I'm not going to name right off the bat. Let's just say that there were some things that occurred that were less than professional on Brandon's part. Um, but shortly after this, Vega, Davey Vega, let it be known that uh, we really wanted him on the card here. Yeah. But we couldn't f- figure out a car load to get him down here, and we certainly did not have the budget to fly him down here. Brandon's finances were very different from, from ours, obviously. And, uh, you know, the Inspire Pro bank account was, you know, what Biss and I controlled, and it was very limited by our own budgets. But at, at the bottom, you know, at, at, the, at the bottom of the page, we just couldn't get Davey down. And yeah. unfortunately, when he saw, when Davey saw that Angelus had been flown in to do a promo, the dude was fucking pissed. Yeah, understandably and he, and he, so. Yeah, and he was really hurt. And there were a lot of people who were like, oh, you can fucking afford to fly Angelus in, this, this lady in to do this. And it made us look bad because yeah. it made it look like, at this point, I think a lot of people still kind of had this weird misconception that Brandon was an owner or that Brandon yeah. was a larger piece of the company than, than you know than he actually was. He was never an owner. He didn't have much control over anything other than booking some of the women's stuff. And even that was largely done through subterfuge and uh, manipulation. And beyond that, no, we didn't fly Angelus Lane, and we, meaning Biss and I. Brandon did that. We allowed him to use the platform to build to a future match. Because we did like Angelus. We liked, yeah. we liked working with her. But yeah, if we could have, if we could afford, if we could afford to fly Davy in every show, we fucking would have because we love Davy. Yeah. Davy is an is, is an amazing human being. So to to tie off on that, the the previous show, right? Stroud had been covering female travel, and there's four flights for females on that previous show, right? All that he agreed to, to cover the part of the portion of Savoy's travel. Um. Craven's travel, which was a large amount coming from Canada and Leva. And then on top of it, Angelus coming down. Right. So I think this was a show or if not this one, one very soon after he paid for like two or three of the flights and then didn't tell us that he hadn't paid for the third one until like a week out, which means the flights are much more expensive and we had already advertised people. So we had to pull the trigger and make it happen. So on top of that happening, like relatively close to this, now he's going out of his way to, to spend money on a flight for just a promo, basically, you know? Um, so understandably why Vega would be upset. Like if we're going to spend that money on a, on a flight, we're going to bring in the guy that can wrestle and can add to the show. Right. Yeah. I mean, so the, the promo ends up being important, but nonetheless, I remember I wasn't aware that she was coming in until the night before because she texted me to tell me that she was in town and I wasn't sure how she got here. 
You know? This also plays into the fact that Brandon oftentimes just kind of kept us in the dark about what he wanted to do. And I yeah. think he did that honestly as a measure of power because you can't veto something unless you see it. Yeah. You know, so he would like always show up day of or like the day before sending his pages. And at that point, there was just so much that we were usually contending yeah, we, with or juggling with that we didn't have time to sit there and go, no, 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 sir. <laughs> this Get is out stupid. of the knife drawer. You, yeah. you know, he would just, he was just like, he basically took advantage of the fact that we were ultra busy doing actual things that pertain to the show. Like, he just didn't want us to see what he was up to, you know? And. Yeah, man. This I think, I think we're gonna we're, we'll, we'll get deeper into this in just a, a few minutes. But um, we're definitely moving into that territory where things begin to really break down. Yes. Yeah. So um, from that, we go into Dalton versus Palmer, and this is a huge main event. So the question was asked: top matches in the history of Inspire. This one's on the list. Visually, yeah. cinematic, <laughs> incredible. Yeah. So this is this is a Palmer Street fight. You a, know? And, and this is like yeah, loser, loser leaves. leaves Inspire. Now there was, we thought that Palmer was going to have to leave at this point. Yeah. There there was very real possibility that uh, we we weren't going to be able to use them anymore. Mm-hmm. So. Um, <laughs> You can go into that. Yeah, card card subjects. Well, th- this was the first one, which I don't I don't completely remember what was going on here. This wasn't the move to Florida. No. Right. So this was the first one. Was this? This may have been a medical issue, or I think it was a medical issue. Yeah. So, um, which Palmer? I mean, anybody that's followed him knows that he's had some medical issues pop up from time to time throughout his career. Um, but yeah, we <laughs> you know. Uh, this was this was kind of like we thought that we'd lost him, you know. Um, so we were going to do this one last big story going out, and you would think loser leaves town, the babyface is going to get their their big big comeuppance and and all that, and we we go left field, right? And Dalton actually picks up the win. Yeah, we need, but we need to go into like some of the spots that are just insane oh, yeah. here. There, I mean it. And, and this is a there's 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 color in this match, man. Um, oh, majorly. Yeah. So I mean, there's there's that moment when the match really kind of like kicks off with a hard beat where Palmer has a pair of scissors and just <laughs> cuts off Dalton's hair. Yeah. And that is just to me that was like a moment where you just knew anything was gonna fucking happen and things were gonna get crazy because they were very secretive, like they were very excited about yeah. this match, and I knew that they were going to be doing some things that were really fucking wild. Yeah. And I did not anticipate the level of just electricity that they that they shot into this thing. Um, Mine was the the angel wings pile driver on the fucking ladder. Yeah, will always stick oh with me. Oh my god! And yeah, the double a, underhook. Yeah, I, I think everybody everybody just air sucked out of the building. Um, and of course, just the fact that Dalton went over it that was not expected. Everybody thought this was the end. Everybody thought Matt was going to get his his. Uh, his is his, his due here yeah. and that's not what happened and it was a very just like shocking moment and the, it, it was one of those moments that you can only pray that you get creatively out of a wrestling company where you have people in the audience going was that supposed to happen yeah um where you actually that's that's the best is when you have people going was that real yeah wait wait that looked real was that real you know people who even think that they know what's going on or you know they're like oh that looks real because there's always that that weird uh suspension of disbelief where you're like wait was that was that supposed to happen that was one of those moments and that to me creatively was just like ah 
This was beautiful. This was this is top tier greatest moments in Inspire Pro for me. And, and the boys did a really good job too. They they made up those Die Dalton Die T shirts and um, oh yeah, fucking I'll I'll let the cat out of the bag. Um, they split the the funds on that shit right yeah, of so course. so dalton had the heat and palmer had the sympathy and they fucking you know they was, made some money off it, of it. was perfect yeah. i mean this was to me some of the best wrestling i'd ever seen i think honestly this is gonna sound like this is gonna sound really uh, self-congratulatory uh considering that we've both invested in the company i can at least give myself this but i think at this point in time doing stuff like this and creating moments like this i realized um how pathetic a lot of what I see on major television is because these guys are killing themselves yeah. for nothing really to create moments. Yeah. And this was better than anything that I'd seen on TV in years. Yeah. And it, I used, it used to be better, right? That yeah. type of, yeah. What, what the hell happened? Yeah. But this was, this was this thing that just made me like, I, uh, after seeing shit like this, the standard has been elevated and I can't watch that shit on TV anymore. I'm running the company and I'm thinking this, yeah. you know, yeah, I think that's a big part of where a lot of that sentiment comes from, from independent fans, right? Where, you know, it it may not be all the, the glitz and glamour and the pyros and all that stuff, but, yeah. like, it, people just want moments, right? They want to be emotionally connected and they want to feel something. Yeah, exactly. Right? That, I, to me, it's like I always say, um, even though I have people dispute this all the time, the best pro wrestling is when it has context. When there are stakes, you know, and um, this was just one of those moments where I'm like, fuck, we built history. Yeah. And we built history to make history. And yeah. it, it was a beautiful moment. It was a beautiful match. And we broke people's hearts. And God damn it, that's the best. You know, <laughs> it really is. <laughs> so anyway, uh, you know, everybody's got a big old grin plastered on their face, I'm sure, even though they're bummed out that Matt is gone in their own mind yeah. or whatever. But, uh, you know, everybody knows, no, Matt's coming back. But we're yeah. thinking... In our heads, because we think he, we we think he's not coming back ourselves. Yeah, the fans think there's always going to be a loophole. Yeah, but anyway, moving along, I kind of want to end with us mopping up, and I think the writing's on the wall with some of the shit that's going on with Stroud, and I don't think we immediately or necessarily think that we're gonna excommunicate him at this point. Yeah, but I think at this point we start to realize that we have to really greatly limit. Uh, what he contributes and what he's doing. Um, and uh, on the horizon is another yeah. XXD event. Yeah, it's in their blood, too. Yeah, um, which we're not going to go into now, but uh, yeah. that's that's a major turning point for our relationship with him. And I think that is, I believe that was a show that I made him cry. I believe so. Yeah. I believe so. And uh, I, I, you know, the impression of me oftentimes is that I'm a very gruff person. Nah. <laughs> But um, I don't, I, you know, I don't yell at people very often. Um, some people think that, some people in my life think that I've yelled at them. Yeah, that's undeniable. Oh, wait, wait, I'm not allowed to do that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> There's some kind of phenomenon over there. Um, no, you got to do in their blood somehow. <laughs> uh, yeah, anyway. Yeah, well, well, so we'll get into the nuts and bolts of in their blood too which is going to be a very juicy episode. Yes. <laughs> uh, and uh, this is where the rubber meets the road, brother. Like it's it's coming. Yeah. The the puzzle pieces are slowly going together. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>